Welcome to Mindfully Healing, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Micheline Malouf, a trauma-informed and trained therapist. And I'm Nadia Desi, a registered social worker and psychotherapist. We are here to guide you through the connection between your mind and body to help you develop a deeper understanding of yourself. Join us on each episode as we navigate each topic by posing questions to our mind and then having deep conversations with each other, ourselves, and special guests to help us come full circle and answer each question. This season, we discuss trauma, trauma responses, attachment, and relationships. In each episode, we provide you with resources and tools to begin to heal your inner child, set boundaries, and help you along your journey of healing. Dear Mind, why am I always in fight or flight? Welcome back to Mindfully Healing. I'm your host, Micheline Malouf. And I'm Nadia Desi. And today we're going to talk about fight, flight, freeze, fawn. That's right. The four trauma responses. Many people know the three fight, flight, freeze, but um, fawn is something that's, you know, being talked about more and more, which is really exciting because we're recognizing it. Well, like poor Fawn, always neglected. Uh, <laughs> so happy we're talking about it now because so many people, including myself, resonate with what it is and why it happens. I don't remember exactly when I heard about it. I would say fairly recently, maybe a couple of years ago when yeah. it was just getting more mainstream. How about you? Yeah, it was the same. I was reading a book by Pete Walker called the, da- the Tao Fully Feeling, and then he has the Complex PTSD book, and he talked about Fawn as the people-pleasing response, which we're going to go into, but what we're going to do is just to kind of break up like the four trauma responses, and then we'll talk about like the behavioral manifestations of them, what they show up, what they look like in your life, and uh, just these realizations. Yeah. So if you want to understand why we go into fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, please refer to our last podcast episode. We explain what happens to our body and what happens to our mind when we perceive a threat. Yeah. So it's important to know that you can get these like in any stressful situation, right? Like we are meant, our body is meant to go through these. Just the fact that you have these does not mean that you have a mental health disorder. It's literally something that we all experience and we need in order to serve, to survive. So um, you not having them, you probably wouldn't be alive listening to this podcast today. So yeah, sometimes they help us and protect us and keep us safe. They're also very interchangeable with different terms. So sometimes they're referred to as stress responses, anxiety responses, trauma responses. In this episode, we will be coming from a trauma perspective. Exactly. So so we have, like we mentioned, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And, and the main thing is that our body, your mind's number one job is to keep you alive. And so the normal thing that would happen is when you go through a stressful situation, your body will go into one of these to try to save you, protect you, keep you alive. And then when the threat is gone, we're supposed to go back to normal functioning of not being in a stress response. We're supposed to go back to the green zone where we can connect with people and relax and have fun. And what happens is sometimes we do. And for the most part, we do like maybe, I don't know if you've ever been like close to having a car accident or something. And you feel like the legs like getting weak, that's your stress response, your trauma response. And then, you know, once that is over, maybe a few hours later, you're home, you're safe, you'll start to feel normal again in your body, you won't feel as intense. So that is what's supposed to happen. You have a normal state of functioning, something bad happens, you go into fight or flight, you go into your trauma responses, and then eventually it's supposed to come back down. Now, if you are stuck in one of these, as we mentioned them, listen closely. If you are stuck in one of these for a very long time, and you feel like this is how I function every day, That's indicative of a possible, you know, mental health issue that you might want to explore. Right. Yeah. And just, uh, I did a video yesterday, two days ago on TikTok about being stuck in freeze. Mm -hmm. And I was so surprised about how many people connected with that because freeze is even something that isn't talked about enough because we always hear fight or flight, fight or flight. And then there's a big misconception about freeze and what it is and why it happens. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Freeze is definitely common. We can't wait to get into this. So I'm going to start by just like giving you like the definition of fight. And it's basically when, when our fight response is activated, we encounter a threat and 
our initial intent is to eradicate the threat. It's not to hurt it and like, you know, shoot it in the knee and cripple it. It's literally like eradicate it. I need to kill it, rid of it, make it not exist anymore. Um, And when we can't do that, when our nervous system recognizes that we can't, let's say it's a bear and we're like, okay, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to kill this bear. Like then you go into the next one, which is light. And exactly what Micheline said, flight is when we can't fight or eradicate a threat. So we try to flight to escape. So going back to the bear situation, if we can't fight the bear because we're scared, and also you should never really run from a bear, we might go into the next step, which is freeze. Freeze. Yeah. And freeze is like, okay, now I can't, I know I have no way out. Like I have no way out. I, the bear, I can't kill this bear. I don't have weapons on me. It's big. It's bad. And I can't run because I happen to be inside a cave. And now what? So now I have to freeze and your body freezes because it is starting to shut down, you know, functioning to feel less pain, to preserve energy. Um, there are so many reasons why we need to do that, but it's like, you, you numb, you dissociate, you, you go, that's when the zoning out, it's like your brain is taking you to a, a safer space. So that's the freeze response. Um, we're all really aware of those three, right? What's the fourth right. one? I'm trying to think of how to put the fourth one into, um, a bear situation. Maybe um, you realize you need to be friends with the bear. Be friends with the bear. No. <laughs> No, I don't think this applies here, but fawn is essentially when we try to people please in order to stay safe. So really accommodate and please everyone around us to make sure that everything is okay with us. Yeah. And I know you were laughing about trying to put that like as a, like a befriend the bear, like, Hey bear, you want to have like a cup of tea with me and like hang out and maybe the bear won't kill us because it likes us. (laughs) our advice when it comes to bears i don't know maybe you can run from a bear i take that back maybe that is a good step don't don't listen to what we say yeah i don't know about bears either i i just took that to be true i was like okay so noted (laughs) like don't run from bears certain trauma responses so we have fight flight fawn and freeze these manifest as different behaviors so it's not like something happens and then you physically go to fight somebody and I'm doing punching movements right now, or when you perceive a threat and you physically run away, or when something scary happens and you just freeze up and you, you're just standing there without any ability to move or do anything. These typically will manifest in different behaviors. Do you want to start with fight? Yeah, sure. So being stuck in the fight response is usually manifests in a way that people call like problematic behaviors. So when we're stuck in the fight response, it's often seen as like these problematic behaviors. Um, It's seen as anger outbursts, controlling behaviors, the bully, the bully is, you know, somebody who's stuck in a fight response, somebody who's narcissistic, Um, not talking about narcissistic personality disorder here, I'm just talking about narcissistic traits explosive behaviors. So, you know, this is the person that's, you know, the first thing that they do when they are triggered by anything is have this explosive um, outburst, you know, they're, they're mad, they're angry all the time, they may end up in anger management at some point. Um, That's somebody who might be stuck in fight. What about flight? So flight is definitely a variety of things. Somebody who really overworks and tries to kind of distract themselves with that. Mm -hmm. Somebody who overthinks, somebody who has difficulty sitting still and somebody who's a perfectionist. Oh yeah, I can definitely resonate with that one. Um, But (laughs) being stuck in the freeze response can show up as difficulty making decisions, feeling stuck, feeling dissociated and dissociative disorders, feeling depressed, isolate, wanting to isolate and just feeling numb all the Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, when I go into freeze, for me, it's literally like, uh, can't deal with this, don't wanna deal with this, don't care about this, going home and sleeping. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I recently have, I mean, I've been having a lot of that lately, just with, you know, so much work having to do. Sometimes you feel defeated. Right. That was the the video I made. I said, are you actually relaxing or are you just shutting down and dissociating because you've been stuck in freeze for all the stress that you've been dealing with? And 
think we can all relate to that. <laughs> okay, so Fawn, Fawn is, uh, shows up as people-pleasing, not being really great with your boundaries, kind of letting people walk all over you, feeling overwhelmed very easily, feeling codependent, and struggling to figure out what your identity is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that as you're listening to these, you can like pinpoint different ones from each one. And, and I get a lot of questions and comments whenever I talk about this, where people are like, but what if you have all four? Can you have all four? Like, how do you know which one you have? And the answer to that is yes, you can be in all four. We mostly are. We all experience, depending on the situation, all four. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have might have dominant ones. What are your dominant ones? I was just trying to think of situations where I resonate with each of them. Like for yeah. fight, I'm not typically an angry or controlling person, but when somebody personal to me or somebody who I put a lot of trust in does something wrong, I think that's when my fight comes out. And that's when I get very angry very easily. Just going back to trauma, it's happened to me so many times in the past. So now that's just been kind of an adopted behavior that I get. And I, I'm sure it comes from some insecurity as well. Um, for flight, Definitely a perfectionist in certain areas, but I don't resonate with flight as much as I do with the other two. Freeze, I get there a lot. Freeze, I get there when like things become too much. Like in the past month, I've probably been stuck in a freeze response Um, just with like stress, work, 100 projects that we're working on. It's been overwhelming. Um, And for me, like I said, that looks like dissociating a lot of maladaptive daydreaming. Well, a lot of daydreaming and um, kind of just isolating myself from everybody. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't have taken you to be the fl- the fight type. I, I would have taken you to, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't see anger and you're just so sweet. And like, so it's, it's interesting to me because it's, not, it's really a feeling like, what do you feel? And like, how do you yeah. like respond? And right? As you're saying that I'm like, Oh, my fiance would say otherwise. And I think it comes out a lot with him when we get into arguments, just like I said, because those emotional flashbacks of being in arguments with other people or people that I love the most that have hurt me like so deeply. So I go into like, I need to protect myself and I need to fight. And he he definitely sees that one more than anybody and probably my family, but him the most, that's for sure. Yeah. More significant than others. (laughs) (laughs) Which ones do you resonate with? I think, um, well, flight and and fawn and freeze. I'm one of those people that's in all of them, um, depending on the situation. So I feel like lately um, I've been really stuck in the flight place, like overworking, um, anxiety. I've had such trouble. My husband and I are actually getting into certain fights about me not being able to sit through a movie. Um, I have been really restless and like just wanting, like, I feel like I can't stop. Like if I stop, then like it's something's off. Like I can't just sit there, which wasn't me I used to be able to just chill all the time um but I'm also a huge people pleaser and I still struggle with that so much something that I've been working on um I'm the kind of person that like will be like oh yeah like if you want to no worries no problem at all like you don't have to worry about me with 25 exclamation points like so I'm trying to work on that but yeah that's that's probably it but but like you fight response does come out with my husband the most and my family it's right. when I feel injustice and when I feel like someone is um taking me to be somebody I'm not or making judgments or something is unfair then I go into my flight mode I'm yeah. sorry fight mode yeah I like how you said injustice because it, it just reminds me of certain situations too like I'll be out with people who don't agree with me in certain areas and I just go straight into fight mode and like get mad and I'm like but in areas that I care about so much and yeah. we're not getting into like politics or anything right now on this podcast but that is where my fight would probably come out the most when I'm like just talking about inequality oh me too <laughs> I think it's funny because that's like the majority of fights that I get into are about that I'm like how dare you like not want equality or something you know there's always it's always that and it's I feel like this is deep. It's like this gut feeling you get and you're just like, yeah, I just can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's, so they can, because you can see like, they can be good. Like often our society also names good and bad, like based on, on these, like obviously being in a flight response can be seen as like really good for people. Cause like we praise workaholism. We praise like, being go 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 like produce 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 
also people pleasing is seen as, as a, a positive oftentimes like just smile like just be nice and be polite and put others before yourself how many times have we heard that oh yeah and when we demonize other we demonize fight right like we say oh they're so angry they're they 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 just like they can't handle their emotions you know yes. so like uh, it's coming from somewhere it's coming I mean, from somewhere. We don't always excuse the behavior, but at least we have to try to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what are, you know, dominant one means it doesn't mean that like, that's the only one you'll ever experience because you could be in different situations. Like Nadia just mentioned, and I just mentioned like being around your significant other will make you go into fight. And then when you're around, like, let's say people you don't know, what, what would be your dominant response? If like someone you don't know said something about inequality. It, it, still fight but if it was anything else it would be fun but if it's something i'm passionate about uh-huh it's fight it's fight yeah yeah that's really interesting because i i'm the same way actually when <laughs> this is gonna be when the pandemic first started and i went to a supermarket and i was really fearful like okay so think this is like a perfect example because there was this like there is but there like this we just had learned of like this global pandemic and um, my health anxiety and fear of death, which we'll discuss in, in future episodes. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, like my family, like I want to keep them safe. I want everybody to be healthy. And I went to the supermarket for the first time I was wearing my mask. It was once the mask mandates were, were, were put in place. And I walked in and there was this guy just coughing next to me, um, without a mask on. And, and so I looked at the uh, employee there and I was like, so you guys don't require masks in this place. And I like, like was so passive aggressive. Like, I wish I could have just looked the guy in the face and been like, dude, like what the hell? Like I have people in my family who are high risk. Like I want you like, what the hell? And this is mandated at this point. So anyway, like uh, sometimes like I feel like internally I have this, like, I want to fight, but then it comes out a little bit too nice. Um, so I'm trying to like work on that as well, but yeah, like I, I, I know it's only with my family when it's like really, really bad. Like, that's when it comes out the most, or that's when you defend the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I get like, no, when I get like, oh no. Okay. Yeah. Both. Like oh. I defend, I will stand up for my family before I stand up for myself and I will, um, definitely fight with them more <laughs> as, <laughs> as well. So I'm with you for both. Um, it might be helpful to talk about how some of these behaviors that are manifested or like where they come from. Mm-hmm. So for an example, yeah. being a workaholic or uh, yeah, being a workaholic, feeling like, or being a perfectionist, maybe that comes from you being raised from parents who were constantly criticizing you for everything to the point where you felt like you had to do things perfectly. Oh, yeah. Or maybe that came from parents who didn't give you praise for anything and you over worked yourself in order to get that perfectionism and you need that praise from other people and that's why you do it Mm -hmm. oh that's such a good point yeah so like fight think about it it could be learned I mean all of these responses can be learned or manifested based on you know the type of stress you've experienced in your life um so if we want to talk about fight let's say you grew up in a household where that was the primary response that you were being, that you were witnessing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, as soon as like, this is also, there's a lot of normalization on certain responses based on your gender identity. So if you think about like, it's more acceptable for a man's number one uh, emotion to be anger outbursts, like it's acceptable rage, anger. Mm -hmm. Whereas if a female were to, respond in that same way we would call her you know irrational irrational yeah yeah absolutely so 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 they could be learned based on like what gender norms you grew up with learning about also what happened in your immediate environment and how that was modeled for you yeah the possibilities are endless because when I think of fight I also think of somebody who maybe didn't get any attention from their parents until they had an outburst or until they had a reaction like that so then that's when their parents started to pay attention to them or that's when they would get that 10 minutes of help from their family members so now that's just a developed behavior 
That's such a good point. That is actually a really good point because you think of like children and we pay attention once they're breaking things. So, oh, okay, this is how I, this is how I have to function then, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like, just so our, our listeners can relate to where these things come from. I'm just trying to think of like possibilities of why these can be learned behaviors or where they can come from. Yeah. And I think that was a great example. It's, it's there. It's, it's like, okay. So one example that I'm thinking of is dad came home from a stressful day at work. Mom was, did not have, she was tired. She didn't have dinner prepared. So dad comes in and he starts yelling at mom. Instead of expressing feelings of saying like, this was a stressful day. I need some, something to de-stress. Oh, you don't have, to, okay, let's order food. Maybe at that moment, the feelings, because that was what was normalized for a male figure. And at that time, time period, in that time period came in and was like in an outburst, you know, well, how dare you? Like, you don't have anything cooked. Work is hard. Don't mess with me. Work is too rough right now. And so we learn, um, and maybe when mom is upset, mom is crying or something and she has a different response. So we may learn from her and based also on which parent we identify with the most. Um, so that could be like a, a, a way that you learn, okay, when we are mad, when we're stressed, this is, this is normal and this is okay to respond in that way. Um, even though it may not be okay, but that's what we learn, right? learn yeah exactly that's a good example flight like workaholic mentioned that even if you know your coping strategy was keeping yourself busy because things were really hard at home maybe I have a good example for that one yeah. a personal example for that one because my mother um her primary response is probably flight. Uh, she would never sit still. Like it was the type of her, she was the type, she is the type of person. Well, when we lived with her, she would wake us up like on a Saturday morning at like 9am to get up. We have to do this. These are your chores. Like, da, 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 da. like, let's go, let's go, let's go. You have to do all of this. And then she would never sit down. Like I would get anxiety if I was sitting down watching a movie and like, she was like around because there was always something to do, like something to get done. We would tell her like, can't you just sit and relax when she would have people over? Like she was the type of hostess that like would not rest. Like she was go, go, go. So she never enjoyed the party. Mm. Um, so it, it's like, it's, I, I did learn a lot of that flight from her, like sitting down is like a waste of time is what she would say. Uh -huh. Um, and I think, you know, some of the clients that I've worked with personally have also had that, like if your parents constantly put, um, achievement before your feelings, you would think that like, you need to constantly be producing in order to be validated, valued, and loved. So, um, I work with clients that, yeah, that had that, that it's just like, okay, your grades were put above everything else. Like, I don't care how you're feeling. Not that I don't care, but like, it wasn't it's like, fine. Walk it off. Right. Okay. And that's a great example. I think we can take it one step further and say capitalism almost pushes us into flight mode. Oh, yes. That's such a good point. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So explain how, like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think exactly what you just said. You'll get love after you overproduce. Mm -hmm. I think that's what working environment, that's what society, that's what everyone expects of us. Go, go, go. The flex of like overworking and working 24 seven and no days off. It's been praised in the media. It's been praised. Like people use it as a way to break. Yeah. And it's, it's not, and it shouldn't be, but I, I do think the society we live in almost pushes us to be workaholics. And if we're not, it's almost shameful. Oh my gosh. It's such a good point. And I think about it recently, this has been coming up. I don't know for you, but for me, it's like when I see other therapists on social media, constantly producing and coming up with like different things all the time. And like, I see these people that I look up to and, you know, I'm impressed by like the writing books and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm like, feeling like I'm not doing enough, um, in order to be a good enough, like, you know, advocate for mental health or whatever. And so, yeah, that comes in. And then you feel like you're never going to be good enough because there's always more to do. 
always more to do. Yeah. And even just like it's everywhere when we're watching TV of buy these clothes for working out because you should be doing this every single day and buy this. So you like buy this clock so that it'll tell you when to take a drink of water and all these different things that are pushing us to like overwork ourselves is in flight mode. But what you just mentioned, you said like you're seeing all these things on social media and you're wondering how are people able to do this? That happens to me. And that's when I go into freeze because mm. that's when I'm like, uh, no, can't do this too stressful. I'm going into freeze mode. Everyone leave me alone. Yeah. Okay. I month breaks on social media. I'm sure a lot of every time I post someone comments like, welcome back. That is so funny. Yeah. No, I did notice that about you. You do like disappear, but like, I bet it's like, it's overwhelming. I don't think people realize how overwhelming it is. And I didn't know it had to do with like seeing how other people are producing. That's a lot for sure. Right. I freeze too. Like I freeze, but I think I get myself out of freeze and back to flight. So, but it's never about the actual activity that I wanted to to do. According to like polyvagal theory, that's what you need to do anyways, to get back to a relaxed state. Like you need to get yourself back into a fight or flight. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You need to, because freeze is like the, the, the bottom one, like the shutdown, the red zone. So like, you got to go through yellow and then back to green. And yeah, I guess I do that. I just never get back to green where I can like, I mean, I'm not going to say never, but like it it takes a while for me to, to get there. Mm -hmm. So you find, you feel like you freeze and then you go into workaholic mode. Yeah. So, and it's like, okay, so example, I'm trying to work on building online courses for people so that I can, you know, give more detailed, like step-by-step for people I can't see because I'm in Florida. And so I was like, so excited, so motivated that I got the, the thing. I started building it and then I get, got overwhelmed with the amount of information I wanted to put in there, just kind of like seeing how other people were just like launching courses left and right. Like something must be wrong with me is the thoughts that went into my mind. And I went to freeze mode, like shut down. And so the goal is to try to get out of that shutdown freeze mode and go into, you know, through fight or flight back to green so that I can produce again. But what's happening is when I go into that, I go, I push myself into that flight mode again, and I'm producing things that aren't for that. Like, it's like completely different. It's like, Oh, let me make 10 TikTok videos. Let me make, uh, let me make some, you know, Instagram posts. Uh, let me clean my house. Let me like all of this, anything, but, and it's probably the procrastination, which I know you're so good at talking about. Like, it's what like your procrastination, like you're procrastinating your anxiety, you're prioritizing your stress. Yeah. <laughs> like you're putting one stress on top of the other and you're procrastinating like the hardest one or the one you're trying to avoid the most. Exactly. And because I know the you, feeling of yeah. <laughs> imposter syndrome. Yes, exactly. I remember watching your video about why we procrastinate and, and I was just like, uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Me too. And I love, like, I will always procrastinate with something that I was procrastinating with also. So I don't want to clean my room, let's say, and I don't want to make a TikTok video. I'll figure out which one I'd rather procrastinate less and procrastinate the big one with that one, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So in some cases, I guess procrastination might be put in freeze mode. Like it is. Oh, for sure. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think we explained fight or flight. Our, our friend Fawn. Hey, Fawn. We love Fawn. My, my <laughs> mom is the biggest Fawn. Is she? I've, my mom will do anything for everybody and like never for herself. Oh. Okay. So here's my all. You heard my all? Like all. Yes. Yes. Good call out there. Uh-huh. Because I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So like we glorify that, but it's like sucky for the person that's always doing that. But also we glorify fun before fight. We're like, oh, yeah. good for you to be that. Kind. Like, you know, but when it's fun, we're like, oh, I can't believe they like, that's so nice. Yeah. No boundaries. A person with no boundaries. We love that. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. So what would you say would be like um, a common reason that we develop fun as a trauma response based on our childhood? Okay, so this is a great one to talk about, especially talking about like the adverse childhood experiences from like our first episode, when we grow up in an environment that it is unsafe. So again, in this episode, I even mentioned like dad coming home, he's angry, you know, him and mom are fighting. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. We don't want, we want to fly under the radar. We want to be safe. And so we learn to walk on eggshells in order to keep the peace in the household, because it's very stressful for us to feel 
um, like more stress, you know, we don't want to cause more, we don't want to be the result of the stress, right? So we try to walk on eggshells. It's also a learned response. So if your mom is a people pleaser, if your dad's a people pleaser, children, immigrants. Okay. So, um, part of my people pleasing behaviors came from my parents are immigrants and they had to people please in order to survive in this country, um, initially, because you have to work differently. You have to work harder in order to be accepted in many ways. And so my mom would people please left and right. And I learned that that's the way of the world. And she would even say to me like, no, you need to smile. You need to do this. You need to do this. People won't take us seriously. And so um, for me, it's like both, like I, I didn't have my parents fighting. My parents were really good, but like I did see other people around me fighting. And then like also the learned response from like my mom is people pleasing. That's how we have to be in order for people to like us and accept us and love us and take care of us. So I feel like that's not talked about enough mm-hmm. as like with immigration. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. It's it's really like something I, I'm sure every single minority group experiences that. Oh, for sure. And like you think about, okay, we're coming into a new country. We need to please the people that live in this country. Yeah. You have to be nicer. I mean, oh. you have to be really, you can't stand up for yourself. You're called so many different names. I mean, think of it in like, okay, the black community alone, like when a black person stands up for themselves in an assertive way, then they're called aggressive. And that um, uh, stereotype is used against them, you know, but it's not going to be if maybe they were white. So it's the same thing. It's like, you have to watch how you say things and how you behave in many aspects in order to be accepted and to, to be just on the norm as everyone else. So uh, that's where I think mine came from, honestly. That's such a good point. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure our listeners can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those who have immigrated come from minority communities, for sure. Um, In terms of no boundaries of where that can come from, I think it can also come from like low self-esteem. Yes. Constantly feeling like or being told that you're not good enough, something's wrong with you. Um, just like a lot of emotional neglect or even some verbal abuse too can make you struggle with your boundaries because you wonder what yeah. am I worth it anyways to set boundaries with other people and oh, something yeah. yeah yeah if you think about like if you if you yeah grew up and being bullied all the time yeah. like in school you or with family, um, you don't, your self-esteem is shot. The only way I can make people like me is to serve them, to be nice to them. Yeah, exactly. Do favors for people. So make people like me, make people like me. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard some therapists online calling it like a form of manipulation before? Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like, I mean, okay. I don't like that because I feel like with manipulation, it's like intentional. Mm. Um, and I don't see somebody who's a people pleaser as somebody doing it intentionally. I feel like it's like, we're talking about a trauma response. And so I feel like we're doing it because we feel there's no other way. Like it's not safe if we're not nice rather than like, Oh, I know that if I'm nice to you, then you will like me. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't see it as manipulation. I see it as, like you said, learned behavior. But do you have the same attitude and energy towards like narcissistic tendencies in terms of fight? Yeah. I mean, I always, obviously narcissism and and PD has been throwing around, like it's all over the internet. Like, um, and no matter what, like this may be a little controversial for people, no matter what, the way we are is a, a, a result of our experiences, our biology and everything that happens to us. Um, you're not growing up in a perfectly happy, healthy household and developing narcissistic personality disorder. So yeah, in many cases, um, not saying that that's an excuse by right. any means to treat people in, in any way you should get help and, and treatment. But, and, but it's, if we're looking for why are people this way um, we can, we can break up a lot of actually a lot of the disorders into one of these. So if we think of anxiety disorders, they're typically stuck in the flight 
response, intrusive thoughts. If we look at codependency um, and all of that, we're stuck in, in the fawn response. If we're looking at addictions, we're stuck in uh, freeze response. I'm- yeah. And the first time I saw that, I was like, wow. And I can see how it is controversial like to do that, but it, it makes so much sense. Even when you were talking about like your back and forth between freeze and flight and your ADHD. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, what is it? Is it my ADHD yeah. or <laughs> yeah. it's funny. It's funny. Cause like, sometimes you don't know the difference, like, but this is really important. Many of our trauma responses can manifest as disorders, but that doesn't mean yes. that your disorders are trauma responses. So let's kind Imagine of Walker. That's a good resource for um, just looking at mis- things that have been diagnosed incorrectly or yeah, I think in one of his books, I don't remember the name, he talks about how each response is misdiagnosed commonly yep. as a mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't think we have time to go through each of them, but yeah. it's interesting if you want to look it up, it's, you can just search it and you'll find it. Oh, for sure. He does. He talks about that um, often, like uh, depression, mm-hmm. freeze, um, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety, all of those flights. Um, and, and it's not to say that like, oh, those disorders wouldn't exist if, you know, trauma didn't exist or something like that. But but what we're saying is often it's misdiagnosed. People aren't looking at right. the past as much as they should and kind of looking at um, possible reasons why we may have manifested these disorders um, in our in our you know bodies. Um, but it's it's really it depends on the person. So something may show up as anxiety for you and may not actually be a generalized anxiety disorder, which is like the definition is like this maladaptive. This is key here. It's like this maladaptive thing where it's like your brain is just not working right. Like you're just anxious. You shouldn't be. It's irrational. Whereas from a trauma-informed lens where Pete Walker talks about, it's like, no, the reason this person, person A manifested generalized anxiety disorder because those bad things have actually happened in their life and their brain isn't thinking irrationally. It's actually thinking this shit's happened before. This shit can happen again. Exactly. Yeah. He's not only saying that it gets misdiagnosed and you shouldn't be diagnosed with that. He's saying, like Micheline said at the beginning, if you get stuck in one for too long, you can develop one of these oh, yeah. mental health disorders. Oh yeah. And it's not always irrational. It's not always maladaptive. It's, it's, it's very, it's very adaptive. Those are adaptive. These are adaptive responses. These yeah. are normal responses to abnormal situations and therefore they're not maladaptive. They are survival tools. Right. So the difference there, if you don't know, is that like adaptive is we're able to go day to day with mm-hmm. these trauma responses and we're still able to function throughout what, is going on. They're adapting to survive. Mm-hmm. I think the word maladaptive is kind of, it's kind of like, well, you shouldn't be having it. And I think of that as like, no, um, if you grew up in a household where your parents were fighting all the time, and now you're in a fight or flight or fawn response or freeze, mm-hmm. then actually it's very adaptive. You had to do that to survive. So like, let's take the shame and blame off of that. Exactly. You've done it your whole life. You've survived. Exactly. It's cleanup time. It's just cleanup time. We've survived. It's cleanup time. We're trying to understand our brain here. So like, why am I stuck in these responses? Well, maybe take a look at the past and see like why these kinds of things may have manifested kind of like Nadia and I just kind of did on, on this podcast in this moment. (laughs) So should we talk about some ways for our listeners to get out if they feel stuck or not even if they feel stuck, but if that is just their initial response and then they want to kind of go back to what they were doing. Oh, that'd be a great idea. So let's start with fight. So if you are stuck in a fight response, you're angry, you have outbursts, you're, you know, just like on edge all the time, irritable. Um, Notice that as your nervous system. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I find unfair? Where's the injustice? Mm. What do I need that is not, that I'm not currently getting? So, um, Notice your body's physical sensations first though. Like, where do you feel it? I know this is the most therapist question I'm ever going to ask. But that's so good. Cause like, <laughs> oh, when I get into fight, I just feel it everywhere. <laughs> My body is just like tingled down head to toe oh. and like tense. And you know what? I actually, which is weird. You can't see me on camera, but I'm holding up my index finger. Oh. I get a bubble. 
you get a bubble on your finger, an actual bubble, like from the middle part of my finger to the lower part that comes when I'm like in fight mode and just really overwhelmed with anger. And I have to like do that to pop the bubble. And what I'm doing is like putting my finger up and down. Wow. So I get actual, like real physical things I could see. Yeah. So real physical stuff. So you feel it all over your body. You feel tingling. Um, what, what like thoughts go through your mind when you get, go into fight mode? It's even hard to identify right now. Cause right now I'm thinking of like in the past and I just hear like danger, danger, danger. Like that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Get away from here. You're not in a, like a good space here. Yeah. Uh, I think I just really perceive a threat and it, for me, it's usually a person that gets yeah. me into this. Yeah. Yeah. Humans are dangerous. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's important. What you mentioned, like Nadia just said, like, take that kind of, she described her body, like what happens in your body? Cause everybody's body's different. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. Tingled. You get a bubble in your finger. Do you get like a, a choked up feeling in your throat? Do you get hot? A yeah. lot of people feel hot. Do you start sweating? Do you start shaking? I start shaking. Um, what happens? Notice that. And then this is very, very important. You said, I perceive danger, danger, danger. And all I could envision was this red neon sign going on top of your head. It was like danger, danger, danger. And that's exactly what your nervous system is doing. So in that moment, if you scan your environment, scan your environment and, and, and notice to yourself, say something like, I am safe right now. So this is the thing that's a perceived threat, right? Nadia, like you perceived that threat. And so the, the thing is people always say something like, yeah, but it could happen. So this is where the key is. Why are you angry right now? Oh my gosh, because I feel like, um, you know, that person's going to come punch me in the face. Okay. Are they punching you in the face right now? No, but they could. Okay. They could. And when they do, we can deal We we can, we need that trauma response and let's hold that trauma response for then. But do we need, are we being attacked in this moment? And I think you said right there, just to pause you is so perfect of like, we need that trauma response later. Everyone's thing is like, well, how do I get rid of this trauma response? How do I switch it to, f- I'd rather fawn. I'd rather fawn than, no, your, you, you, your goal isn't to completely get rid of it. No, it's Sorry, not. I you off, but I think that was such a good point. Oh, no, thank you. No, that's, I, we need to bring awareness to that all the time. So I always welcome those things, but yeah, just like scanning your environment, not for potential threats, because we deal with the, like we just said, deal with the potential threat the threat when it becomes a threat. But in this moment, I am angry and I'm in my studio right now. And I might be angry at something someone said, and I'm, mm, but like, am I in danger? No. Okay. I'm safe. That simple thing over and over and over and over again will slowly help get you out. For sure. For, and like for me, Micheline, you know, the first thing I do when I'm angry is probably call you, (laughs) (laughs) call somebody. I need that regulation. Yes. That works for me. And like that shows me that I'm in a safe environment, even if it's not always like physical connection. If I'm like calling somebody and they're really helping me or even just hearing their voice, that also works. For sure. Yeah. Call co-regulation, huge. Exactly. Exactly. Safe, safe voice, safe face. Right. Another thing though, just to add in, sometimes when I'm in fight, I can't escape it until I feel like I fought. Hmm. And I don't mean physically fight, obviously, but sometimes I just like scream in the shower or I'll just like stomp or run, but like make my legs really heavy as I'm running just to feel like I need, like just to get that feeling out of my body that I was able to get through it. That's really good. That's like a lot of somatic stuff, like shaking out your body, going Mm -hmm. for a run, um, you know, going to a boxing class or something. Like a pillow. (laughs) Like doing things to get that like energy. It's energy. It's built up energy in your body. You got to release the energy. And I feel like I need to get it out based on like what I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling anger, I need to get it out in a way that allows me to take my anger out. If Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I'm overthinking, maybe I need to get it out in another way where it's more self-care based, but it really depends on what's going on. That's a good point because that's what will bring us to like flight mode. Like if you're in flight mode and you can't slow down, and this is a hard one for people, like can't slow down. If you're like me, you can't watch a movie all the way through. then um, it's the same thing. It's like built up energy. So like shaking out your body, taking, you know, co-regulating with someone, checking in with yourself and saying, okay, what am I afraid will happen if I slow down right now? Mm -hmm. What am I afraid might not happen if I slow down right now? As a perfectionist, what am I afraid of 
of if I don't do something perfect. Uh-huh. And am I willing to challenge myself to not actually do that thing and uh-huh. see what the outcome is? Exactly. I think it's like we get super attached to the thoughts and the ideas. And if we can, um, one thing that works for me, like with the movie thing is I'm not going to lie that TikTok has fed into my inattention, um, constant dopamine, just like shooting up every video. So sometimes what's helpful is like, I talk myself through the movie. Hmm. Uh, I know it's like something I picked up recently, I think naturally, because like I wanted my husband to be happy because he wanted to watch a movie with me. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and so I was like, no, Michelle, you have to, you have to watch a movie with him. So we're watching a movie and like, like, I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like you don't have anywhere else to be right now. You have nothing else to do. Everything that can be done will be done. You're fine. Check in. Okay. Release my tension in my jaw, release the tension in my shoulders, release the tension. Okay. And then like two minutes later, I'm like, I'm, I'm tensing up my body. You can't see me right now, but like tensing up my body. And I'm like, when's this going to be over? How long is this movie? And then I'm like, Michelle, you have nowhere else to be, nothing else to do. Release, release, release. And then I release. Um, and I would say, start with like something short, maybe not a movie, but like start with like a minute of mindfulness. Yeah then two minutes, five. Right. We actually had a guest on our podcast once who mentioned that like she could not stay still. And her therapist said, sit on your bed for one minute. Mm -hmm. She said it was so hard, but the most helpful thing. Yep. Yep. I do that. I sometimes do that. (laughs) Sit on my bed and I'm like, just going to chill here. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's hard. You're going to feel the nervousness, the energy in your body to like run and go and like produce. And your job in that moment is exactly as I said, for fight, it's like redirect. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Is there a danger right now? No, I'm safe. Release. I can give myself a minute and then slowly increase that over time. Perfect. Okay. Into freeze. What are some tips for freeze? (laughs) (laughs) get into it what 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 is your biggest because I know you cover dissociation a lot and a lot of people resonate with dissociation myself included and sometimes it can be for a minute in a conversation and sometimes it can be for a week maybe we should start small what would you say as a tip for somebody who just like dissociates every time the word I don't know anxiety comes up yeah um well dissociation is always the same process in your body danger bye I'm out you know, and so uh, start with the physical body. Like you're not, when you're dissociated, your prefrontal cortex, your brain is off of the Wi-Fi. It broke. You don't have it anymore. You got to reconnect it. And the way that you do that is by reconnecting your brain to your body. So things like massaging yourself um, and feeling, sometimes you won't feel it and that scares people. It's okay. It's okay. Um, just keep massaging your arms gently. If you're okay with gentle touch, if you're not okay with gentle touch due to trauma shake. So what I'm doing right now is like shaking my hand, I'm sitting down and I'm just like shaking my hands, like with her. I'm doing, we're both doing it. <laughs> and then like, when you stop, even for like a few seconds, do you feel that vibration in your hand? Mm-hmm. It's very hard not to feel that vibration in your hand. That's the blood flow. So you're starting to connect again, mind and body um, doing that. You can go into more cognitive things as well, like five, four, three, two, one. So that's where you name five things you see, touch four things around you, listen to three things around you, smell two things around you, taste one thing. Um, and you can do that over and over again with different objects and different sounds and, and tastes and stuff to connect to your mind and body again. Um, uh, taking a cold shower, if you're like in a severe state of dissociation, ice, hold ice in your hands, shock your body, um, you know, uh, get yourself out of uh, that freeze mode. Um, but yeah, you could try different things, but start small, start with like the gentle massage, shaking your body, having a friend there to look at you and be like, can you hear my voice? Yes. Yeah. That happens a lot in therapy too, just kind of centering people back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Okay. And we finally have Fawn. Fawn. Yeah. So this is the boundary one. (laughs) (laughs) This is like set boundaries. Um, No, obviously easier said than done with everything. Um, I think Fawn is really hard to unlearn this behavior almost because it becomes personality. Yeah. 
And that's where the lack of identity comes in. Like I've been a people pleaser my whole life. So who am I really? If I'm just saying yes to everything and doing what other people want, who am I? So I think a lot of fawn can come from rediscovering, uh, getting out of fawn, sorry, can come from rediscovering who you are and learning how to set boundaries. And always in therapy, when I'm working with somebody who does experience fawn, the boundaries start as like really, really, really small because we're not going to take you from zero to a hundred. What kinds of small boundaries do you start with? Um, like a good example would be when somebody gets really overwhelmed with so much going on in their life, setting a text saying like, Hey, I'm going to be busy at this time. I'll respond to you when I can. I love that. Yeah. Like just something so simple. And then obviously setting boundaries with friends. Like if you don't want to hang out, being able to say no, like this is going on, setting boundaries with family members. Don't say this to me. I don't respect it. Like it's not respectful when you're saying these certain things, but just starting small and showing somebody like, look, you set a boundary and that person didn't disappear. That person didn't get mad at you. And if they did, okay, that person is the person you need to set boundaries with anyways, but just like showing what the reaction will be and that everything's okay and we can do it again. Yeah. I actually saw a video this morning on TikTok that was like a little cartoon and it was like, I set a boundary and this person got, you know, mad at me or something. Should I have not set the boundary? And then the other person was like, uh, what do you mean? Like somebody, you know, getting upset at the consequences of treating you badly. And so, (laughs) oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, what might be helpful, because I know for me, it was really hard to set boundaries starting with positive boundaries Hmm. or self boundaries so I call them I don't know I made this up I don't know if this is a thing but like you know when people ask you if you're a people pleaser where do you want to go have dinner tonight oh I don't care sure Hmm. wherever wherever you want to go so start with a start with being more like choose make a choice so that's not you're not like putting somebody in their place or saying no to someone that might be harder but maybe make a choice. That's right? such a good idea. Yeah. Um, set a boundary for yourself. So saying like, okay, I'm not going to set a boundary with my mom, my dad, my brother yet, whatever, but I'm going to set a boundary with myself. I'm going to set the boundary of, I am going to limit my screen time for to, to like two hours after dinner or something like that. I don't know. But um, but start with something that you hold up your own boundary towards yourself if it's hard to do it with others at first and then like maybe shift. Because once you start to respect your own boundaries, you will expect other people to do the same thing. And when they don't, like at least you know at the end of the day you're showing up for yourself. That yeah. is a great point. Yeah, and I think one one of these episodes, one of these days we should have an episode where we talk about setting boundaries, assertive communication, teaching you how to say the no's. And mm-hmm. maybe that's something we'll make a note of for um, a future episode. If you guys like that, let us know. Mm-hmm. But definitely that's like saying, yeah, choose, choose a place to eat. Like if someone asks you, do you want blue or red? Like choose a color, <laughs> you know, ah, it doesn't matter to me, whatever's worked for you. You know. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I'm going to take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think we went through them all. Any other general tips? I mean, grounding exercises. We always mention progressive relax, muscle relaxation. I think that's a huge one for any trauma response yeah. that you're in. My only other tip that just came to mind is talk to your mind and be compassionate. Why don't you say, dear mind, I understand why you are in fight mode. I understand why you're in flight, freeze, fawn. And I understand this is hard for you. But we're going to get through this together by taking some of these tips and applying them every day. And that could be your boundary for yourself. I love that. Instead of being like, oh, why am I a people pleaser? I hate that for myself. Or, oh, why do I always get so angry? Like, no, I understand why. I'm going to do what I can to work towards changing myself in the way I would want. Mm -hmm. And it's not your fault. You're trying. Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. I hope this was helpful. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and remember to leave us a review. We love reading your comments. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to along with your thoughts and share it to your story and tag us so we can reshare it to our story. And be sure to follow us on social media at mind.fully.healing on Instagram at mindfully healing on YouTube and on TikTok at mindfully.healing. Until next time.